between Christmas and Easter, we have been looking at the armor of God, the armor that God gives us as Christians. The Apostle Paul, um, 2,000 years ago, writes to the Christians in a church in Ephesus, uh, and he says that, or he imagines in his mind's eye, that they're going out into the big wide world, but Paul knows that there are enemies of our faith out there. He knows that there are things that will try to derail our faith, to um, smother our faith, to, uh, to derail our faith and to crush it. And so Paul imagines the Christians going out into the big wide world clothed in the armor of a Roman soldier. And he lists the different parts of that armor. There's the, uh, the sword of the spirit. I don't think we've had that yet, have we? Um, we've had the shoes of peace. We've had the belt of truth. Um, and Paul imagines that you and I uh, need this protection because in the world out there is, is not, not, not friendly to the Christian faith. There are forces that are trying, if they could, to derail and dismantle our faith. So Paul says you need to clothe yourselves in the armor, the armor of a Roman soldier. But it all describes a different aspect of, of uh, what God gives us that Paul wants us to clothe us in. Now, this series has prompted a fair bit of dressing up amongst the men. I'm not quite sure. Uh, some of us were at base camp. Um, Richard Kay, dressed in full military roaming gear. That was awesome to behold, and an image I haven't quite got out of my head yet. Um, and he came into the, to the tune, I'm Still Standing, which was fantastic because it made the point. And then last week, uh, Gordon carried on the theme, uh, talking about the helmet of salvation, uh, and came in someone else's helmet. <laughs> and today, we are looking at the shield of faith. So not wanting to be outdone by any of my colleagues. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> what do you notice about my shield? It's got a red cross on it. Yeah, it has. It's the cross of St. George. It actually means absolutely nothing in terms of my talk, but it has got a red cross <laughs> on it. Uh, you know, to someone else said it, someone else said it, you say the obvious. It's quite small, isn't it? It's a bit small. I'm glad you noticed that. See, I could have borrowed Richard's uh, Roman shield. And most of us look at that and think, yeah, you know, that's for the really serious Christians, isn't it? And that's for the Christians that really know where they're going. That's for the ones that have got it together. That's for the, the people that really are into muscular Christianity. I mean, they're the mature Christians. They have big faith and they fight the battles of faith. Well, I've got really great news for every one of you. Jesus said, you only need faith as small as a mustard seed. And it's enough. You can have a big one if you want, but you don't need a big one. You only need a little bit, and it's enough. Because it's not about having a big faith, it's about having a little faith in a big God. You don't need to have a big faith, you need a little faith in a big God. 
a Lord who has already created the universe, a Lord who has already demonstrated his power over all the forces of evil in our world and has triumphed over them. He has all the power. You just need a little bit of faith to connect to his power. God is always at work, and he is always at work in your life, but it is received by the hand of faith. A little faith receives what God is doing. Peter, another one of those early apostles, writes to the Christians scattered throughout the province of Galatia and Cappadocia, and he says, you who through faith are shielded by God's power. Your faith connects you to God's power. You can't overcome the issues that you struggle with in your own life. You're not going to overcome the apathy and the hopelessness in our community. You haven't got the power to do that, but, but he has. You need a little faith in a big God. There's another reason it's little. I think sometimes we think that if I have a lot of faith, it will come with an overwhelming feeling. I'll have that kind of, I feel full of faith, hallelujah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in it. I'm in, the, I'm in the zone. It's here right now. I have great faith because I'm feeling it. Faith, my friends, is not a feeling. Feelings are feelings. Faith is something different. Faith is faith. We mustn't be um, put off because we don't always feel we have a huge amount of faith. You may have a little bit of faith, but that's enough. Don't confuse faith with a feeling. We'll come on to that a little bit longer. And there's um, another reason it's small as well. And that's because uh, we often think that, that it's got to somehow cover the whole of my body, but actually it doesn't. The shield really has to cover one really important bit of you. That's really what it has to cover. Guard your heart, says the writer in Proverbs, because it is the wellspring of life. From it flows everything that you do and are. Guard your heart. The shield of faith, my friends, doesn't have to be huge. You may not feel uh, that you have a huge faith today, and I don't want you to discount yourself because you don't feel like a Roman soldier with a six-foot-high shield. No, you only need a little faith, and if you've got a little faith, then this is for you this morning. Don't discount yourself. Don't think I'm not one of the mature saints of God that wins and fights battles in the name of Christ. Yes, you are, because you only need a little, and you're part of what we're doing here. The shield of faith guards the heart. That's really what it does. That's all it needs to do. It guards the heart. You see, the heart is the repository um, of the deepest longings, hopes, fears, and dreams of our hearts. Um, it's, it's where they all live. Hopes, dreams, sometimes pride and arrogance and um, self-centeredness, and rejection. They're all issues of the heart. They're not just feelings. They're not just thoughts. They're in our hearts. In the Old Testament part of the Bible, um, God's people built a temple, and they built it with an outer court, an inner court, and in the middle of it, there was a, a, a holy of holies, right in the very middle of it. 
And it was the Holy of Holies was, uh, had on it a, a jar of the manna that had fed the Israelites. You remember when they wandered in the wilderness? Uh, there were the two slabs of the Ten Commandments uh, that Moses gave them. Uh, so you had the jar, the slabs, and it also had on it, on it Aaron's rod that budded, even though it was, was dead. It was a symbol of, of, of hope. And it symbolizes the precepts of God, the laws of God. It symbolizes um, the promise of God, that the, the dead stick can come to life again. And the manna symbolizes the provision of God. And those three things, the precepts, the provision, and the promise of God, they're in the very heart of the temple, uh, behind a curtain in the Holy of Holies. Now move forward uh, 900,000 years into the New Testament, and that same Apostle Paul that writes to the Ephesian church, he says, you, you, every one of you, your heart is now a temple. You are now a temple of the Holy Spirit. And there's a holy of holies within you and it's called your heart and you've got to guard your heart because within it are the promises and the provision, the protection of God himself. Your heart is the repository for all that God is wanting to do in your life. That's where it counts. Our hearts are now that inner holy of holies. And like the enemies that the Roman soldiers faced, there are fiery darts aimed at you and I that would seek to get into our hearts and work their destructive power, destroying our faith and our confidence, which are also residing in our hearts. Because faith isn't a feeling. Faith isn't just a thought. Faith is a substance and it's in your heart. But there are enemies in our world that would want to dismantle that and destroy it if they could. Like a, a fiery dart, they would fire it onto a, a home or a, into a village. Um, and because it was um, basically had pitch on the end of it and it was on fire, it could burn a whole village down. One arrow could set fire to a whole village. And you and, and I probably know friends, people that we know, who maybe once had a Christian faith, but one thing happened. One thing happened. And it slowly took out the whole of their faith. Maybe you've tried to tell someone not to be afraid. You give them all the reasons th that you can think of not to be afraid, and they say, yes, yes, I won't be afraid anymore. But it, nothing changes, because fear comes from the heart. It's not a feeling, and it's not a thought. Jan and I really have really some really good friends, um, and a uh, married couple, and she's gorgeous. She's got this most incredibly gentle spirit. She's servant-hearted. Everyone we know loves her to bits. Um, we think she's absolutely gorgeous. And the only problem is that she doesn't. And if I, only I could say something that would make her think that she looks okay, and that actually she's fantastic, but she hates what she looks like, and she hates herself. And we prayed for and prayed and prayed that she would see herself as, as, as we all see her and as God sees her. But that kind of stuff's deep in the heart. It's not a feeling. It's not a thought. You can't talk someone out of it. You've tried, right? You've tried talking someone out of, of self-hatred. You've tried talking someone out of fear. You've tried talking someone out of despondency or hopelessness. I mean, it can help for a while, but these things live in our hearts. Guard your heart says the Lord. Guard your heart, for out of it flows everything you do. But these fiery darts would seek to try and dismantle it. They, sometimes it's called the deadly D's. 
these arrows, the deadly Ds, discouragement, doubt, distress, depression, and disappointment. They work in our hearts. Dread. No, I missed that one out. Discouragement, dread, doubt, distress, depression, disappointment. They work in our hearts like fiery arrows. And they have, if we don't resist them, they start to limit our faith. They start to smother our faith. And if we don't deal with them, they can destroy our faith. And maybe you know people for whom that has happened. And the, um, Peter writing to these Christians, uh, he says, you're shielded by faith. You're shielded by God's power by your faith. And maybe he's drawing, maybe he's read Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. Many people think he has, which is why he uses this image. And um, the Apostle Paul says, you have to take up the shield of faith. Take it up. Not drag it along behind you. Not sling it over your shoulder as you go through life. He says you have to take it up. That means that you and I have to do this because if we don't, it won't happen automatically. Paul says there is a battle and you have to be alert to it because you have to take up the shield of faith. It means that faith is active. It's something you do. It's not a feeling. It's not just thoughts. It's something that you have to do. It's not about having faith. Many of us here will have faith. You have a faith that saves you, but that's not the same as living by faith. There's a faith that saves you, and some of us, we, we're saved, we have our sins washed away, we're saved from all that condemns us by our faith in Jesus Christ, and then, I'll be honest with you, we get lazy, don't we, sometimes? We think, well, I'm a Christian now, now I've settled into a routine of church, I've settled into the routine of worship, I've settled into the routine of going through the motions of being a good Christian. How do I know this? <laughs> I've done it. Five years of my life I spent as a forgiven Christian, saved by faith. It was a saving faith, but it wasn't a living faith. I went through the routines of it all. I had enough faith to get me out of hell, but not enough faith to keep me walking in the victory of Jesus Christ. Friends, we have to take up the shield of faith. It's not enough to sit here today and say, well, I have faith, I believe in Jesus. That's not the faith we're talking about today. It's an important, really important kind of faith. But this kind of faith is the faith that you have to take up. You have to put it into practice. You have to do something with it. We know that faith can grow. It's like a muscle that the more you exercise it, the more you, um, you take up the shield of faith, the more powerful and natural it becomes in your life. So if you like my little shield here, this is how it starts off. It's enough, but it can grow. It can grow and increase. It may start small, but the more you exercise it, the more you do it, the bigger it becomes. And that's really important this, for us um, to know. It's really important um, because I think sometimes God lets us go through difficulties and trials in order that our faith can grow. How do we learn to hold up the shield of faith when everything goes right in our lives? Well, no, because I would never bother. 
I would never need to. It's when things are difficult that I need to hold up the shield of faith. So God allows certain things into our lives because he's got a greater goal than my everyday comfort. It is that I learn to be mature and grown up, fighting the battles that need to be fought. And Peter says this, he says, for now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer all kinds of trials, suffering grief. And we heard two testimonies this morning from Jade and from Alex that actually it was out of grief that God spoke to them and began to raise up faith. And I think that's true. Many of us will have that same story. That's what makes me know it's a genuine faith that we've heard this morning. Who would have thought that out of, out of suffering would, would come a, a greater faith? How could that be? That's got to be God, hasn't it? I mean, most of us think, well, you know, if, if, if that kind of stuff happens in my life, let's turn away from God. Let's just become you know, self-sufficient and not worry about, about God. But what we see there is that incredible story that you and I have seen over and over again in our, in our suffering and the things that, that we struggle with. God is growing our faith, though you for a little while, he says, have had to endure all kinds of trials and griefs. These have come that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Our faith grows when it endures and proves itself in in difficulties and in hardships. And the best definition of faith that I can give you this morning um, is this one. Faith is when you speak and act like God is telling the truth. There are other brilliant definitions of faith, but that's my definition for this morning. Faith is when you speak and act like God is telling the truth. And when you exercise the smallest bit of faith, God loves it. It's impossible to please God without faith, Romans, uh, Hebrews 11, uh, but with faith, it pleases God. You give pleasure to God when you take up the little, maybe, shield of faith that you and I have. It's no good sitting here thinking, I've got faith, I believe in Jesus Christ. This, that's a faith to be saved by. You need a faith to live by. Friends, every one of us needs this. And we can help one another when uh, our shield is battered and down. We can help one another, and we do, and we must. But you cannot rely on that all your life. I want to encourage you to learn how to take up the shield of faith, and I want to show you how I try to do it. So, final part. Faith is when you speak and act like God is telling the truth. What you do is just think of an issue in your life, something that's happened, anything. Might be quite big, might be quite small, doesn't matter. What would it look like to respond with faith? So I was thinking about this. So um, I'd actually been working quite hard, quite a a full-on week, and just managed to get everything done, prepared for today. Uh, Went to pick Jan up from the airport. She's been away in the States for a week uh, with our son. Uh, She was coming back. I was looking forward to a bit of a restful afternoon. Um, We get back, and we we have a a small little house in the West Country. I wouldn't buy a garage in Tunbridge Wells, but uh, uh, down in the West Country, we have a little house, and it's owned by, we rent it out to a couple of students. uh, And they phoned up to say that uh, the aerial has blown off and the neighbor has, uh, has said the air TV has blown off and it's damaged their roof. And, and I'm thinking, oh, 
It's the last thing I need. We only just had the electrician in there doing some work and now something else has gone wrong. And, and this email from the neighbor, you know it's one of those emails like a little bit kind of, you know, your area has blown off, please sort it out as soon as possible because it might be damaging our roof. Like, like, like I did it on purpose or like I've left it there for the last three weeks and not bothered to do anything about it. That kind of email. You know the kind of email you get? Right, just take an incident in your life, any incident you like, that's mine, okay? Just a little email, just, you know, it, just it irritates me. So how does faith respond? How does faith, what does it look like to take up the shield? Because that could actually wreck my afternoon. You might think, no, really? Yes, that's how pathetic I am. That could wreck, <laughs> that could wreck my afternoon. Because I'm not thinking, oh no, you know, why do we have all these problems? It's a stupid thing, isn't it, you know? So I'm thinking, well, at least we have a house. <laughs> you know, even though uh, the TV aerial doesn't work in it. Um, we have a house. But actually, I think, how do I respond in faith? Well, I'm not going to let this get me down. We're just going to have to get it fixed. We'll have to take some of the profits that we had hoped to take from it. We're just going to have to invest some of that in putting it right. We're just going to have to. We're just going to have to suck it up because that's what we're going to do. And we're not going to let this take us down. So we prayed. Dear Heavenly Father, we are not going to respond to this email in the way that we might wish we could. We're not going to do it because, <laughs> because faith works by love. Faith works by love. So, so we respond in a loving email. That's what we do. So we do something. We pray, Lord, we're not going to let this get us down. We're going to have to just do this. It's going to cost us a bit of money. That's what it's going to cost us. That's the way it is. We know things are going to go wrong in a house. That's just the way it is. And we pray about it. And then I find myself continuing to think about it, even though I'm now trying to make Jan a cup of tea and put it out of my mind. So I have to do about an hour's work where I keep leaving it with Jesus. I have to keep doing it for about an hour. I'm wrestling with my little shield of faith. No, I'm not going to get into this. Okay, not going to let this bring me down. And after about an hour, I begin to think, that's okay. I think, it, I think, and I said to, said to Jan, about four o'clock, I've won. <laughs> I've won. I've won. It's fine. Loving email sent. So sorry. Call, calling a guy who's going to go in on Monday morning. Taken into, doesn't matter, a silly little thing. I just chose the first thing I could think of. I could think of some bigger things this week in my own life as well. What you have to do is think of an incident and think how would faith respond. It's about thinking, it's about doing and speaking. Faith is activated when you speak and when you speak God's truth into the situation that you're facing. Faith is activated by speaking when you speak the truth of God into and over the situation that you are facing, that is holding up the shield of faith. The scripture says, be anxious for nothing. So I'm not going to be anxious about a silly TV aerial that turns out it's still actually connected to the wire, so it works. It's fine. It could just leave it the way it is, but the neighbor would like us to move it, um, which is understandable, so we will. But the thing is, the thing is, it says be anxious for nothing. You, you just speak that over. We're not going to be anxious about this. We're not going to get uptight about it. We may have to spend some money on it, but the Lord's providing for what we need. I was never trusting in my pay packet. Goodness me, I'm not trusting in my pay packet. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's what we do. It's just, it's just, you speak it, and then you think, I've got to act. I've got to do something in my demeanor or my action that, that, that demonstrates that I'm believing God's truth. I've got seven things. These really quick, then we're done. 
Seven things faith does in your life. Number one, faith overcomes doubt and worry. Jesus said, do not worry. He said, look at the birds of the air. Have you ever seen a bird sitting on a telegraph wire, angsting and having a meltdown because it doesn't know where its next worm is coming from? Have you ever seen it doing that? You haven't. Jesus says, in the same way, in the same way, faith overcomes doubt and worry. When something comes into your life that brings doubt and worry, you have to pick up your little faith that you've got and you say, no, no. Speak over the situation, the words of Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. In all things, present your requests to God. And the peace of God will fill my... Just keep saying it. Then you think, what do I need to do? Well, I've not got to give in to worry. So if there's something I might be changing my actions... I've got to do the thing that would demonstrate that I'm, I'm putting into practice I'm not worried about it. So I've got to do whatever non-worry looks like. You may have to work that out in the situation that you face. It's speaking and doing. It's um, speaking faith and it's doing faith. Faith draws down into our hearts the power of God. Look, Peter says that, that there's a great inheritance for you. Uh, you've been born into it, a living inheritance of living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, an inheritance that cannot po- spoil, perish, or fade. Kept in heaven for you. Peace, joy, uh, love, all of that is an inheritance, but you draw it down by faith, by speaking and acting God's truth. Uh, fear and worry. Um, faith heals the sick. We pray. We lay on hands. So we, we pray. We remind ourselves of the promise of Jesus that he cares about our physical bodies, about our, our emotional health, about our mental health, our spiritual health. And we lay hands and we pray the prayer of faith. If you've got a, um, a, 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 a lot of faith that, come, that God has given you for, for that particular situation, there is the commanding faith. We could talk about that kind of faith. That's different again. Commanding faith is a kind of faith that God gives. Sometimes called the gift of faith, which is different from the kind of faith that you and I exercise to become Christians. Uh, that's faith that comes from your will. Uh, there's a faith of the, the heart. There's, but there's, a, there's a, a gift of faith. There's a commanding faith. But actually, you don't have to have that. You can pray the prayer of intercession for healing as well. Faith heals the sick. Faith releases the provision of God for the things that we need. We present our requests before God and say, Lord, I need this. And then we have to think, how do I act in a way that's going to demonstrate that I'm expecting God to provide for me? Sometimes the things that I want, God doesn't always provide. And what he does then is that sometimes he recalibrates my wants. He's done that over and over again. I really need this. I really want this. I'd really like this, but it doesn't happen. And over time, I say, God, if you're not going to give it to me, then recalibrate my heart so that I, I, I want something different, that I understand something, I value something different. And he does. Sometimes we don't always get the provision that we think that we need, but even if we don't, God recalibrates us so that we can be content with little or much, whatever the situation might be. Faith frees us from guilt and condemnation. We speak over our lives when we feel cut off from God, when we feel he's far away. We say, nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. 
No sin, no uh, thing that I've done, nothing in all creation can separate me. We speak it out. And then we don't stop praying. We then carry on praying and uh, meeting with God because we have to act like we believe it's true. Faith brings revelation. Faith brings revelation. By faith, when we read the Bible, it begins to come alive for us and God speaks to us through it. By faith, our identity is made secure. You see, the, the, the enemy of our faith is constantly firing fiery darts at you. It might be sickness or despondency. It might be guilt, condemnation. It might be the feeling that God is far away um, or that actually I'm really a nobody of no account and that my life doesn't really matter and I'm a failure and I'm wretched and I'm miserable. But faith secures my identity. Faith says I'm God's child and I'm no better and no worse than anyone else. For a long time, I, some of you know this story, I, I'd been asked if I would go and uh, share some like, Bible readings um, with part of New Wines International Ministry. They'd said would I go to um, South Africa. And, um, and I, I spent a lot of my early Christian ministry comparing myself with um, friends and people in Christian ministry that I saw as being faith-filled men and women of God. Because they are. But I, for a long time as a pastor, would compare myself with them and think, well, I don't really feel that I've got the, the I don't have what they've got. I mean, I, I mean, I've heard them, and when they preach, it's fantastic. I feel the Spirit of God touches my life when they preach. And I'd say, no, I don't think I can go. One occasion, I, I really almost lied, I think, you know, I think, I think we're going to be on holiday then, knowing full well that we weren't going to be on holiday then. It's amazing what you'll do to protect your idols. So I said no, and then these people would phone up from Scandinavia and say, please come, we'd love you to come and do this stuff. And I'd say no, I can't, because I just couldn't, I, I, I was just, I didn't think of myself as anyone who could do that. I wouldn't want to put myself in that position. For years, I said no to speaking outside my own church, because I didn't feel confident, and it was coming from comparing myself with other people. I was not holding up the shield of faith in any shape or form. Not over my own personal life. Not only the issue of identity. And I don't know what it was that changed, but I, I remember over a period of a few months getting a sort of a revelation, if you like, an understanding that this is what's going on. Uh, and, and I don't think this is actually what God wants. And then as I began to think, maybe this isn't what God wants for me. Maybe he wants me to do this stuff. The minute you start, to make a move towards God. He begins to make a move towards you. Now everywhere I go, people are prophesying over me and saying, Tim, I've got a word from the Lord for you. I think God is saying, "There's tra I'm seeing trains, I'm seeing ships, I'm seeing hot air balloons. Somebody actually had a picture of a hot air balloon. Don't use that as a means of international travel. Um, but <laughs> they were all images about going and traveling. And so I, then there's these guys in Stockholm said, would you come and do the summer Bible readings for our new wine uh, big conference, summer conference? And I said, yes then spent six months regretting that I'd said yes, but I had to go and do it, and I did it. And the Lord was gracious, and there was an incredible outpouring of the Spirit of God over that week. And many people came to faith, and there was quite a lot of, of, of healing, and, and I remember flying back, thinking, God, I'm not gonna doubt you again. I should have done this years ago, and I felt the Lord saying, yeah, yeah, you could have done this years ago, but you're doing it now. You're doing it now. 
I had to start to speak over myself, the identity, what God has called me to be and to do. And when I learned to speak it with confidence and then to act like what God was saying is true, you actually have to do it, and it's going to hurt, because that's how God proves the faith is genuine. And then it brings the result. I'm just sharing with you ways that we exercise the shield of faith. It secures our identity. Um, And last one. Faith enables me to forgive. Faith enables me to forgive. Faith speaks and acts like what God says is true. Jesus says when you withhold forgiveness from someone, it imprisons us and inhibits our lives. When we judge others and choose to act towards them on the basis of my judgment, we are not holding up the shield of faith. That is not a faith response to those issues that come into our lives of unforgiveness where we're tempted to withhold forgiveness to someone else. Jesus says this is incredibly important. He put it into the Lord's Prayer. We forgive those who've sinned against us. Friends, this really matters. Faith enables me to forgive. Faith isn't a feeling. Faith isn't a thought. Faith is simply acting like what God says is true. He says, Tim, you've got to forgive them. So I've got to say and do the things that Jesus has told me to do. And faith takes hold of all the excuses and reasons not to forgive and dismisses them. Well, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Faith says, nor did I. I didn't deserve to be forgiven either. But I was. Well, they shouldn't have done it. Faith says, let you who's without sin cast the first stone, huh? What if they do it again? Faith says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. What about all the mess that they've caused and the consequences in my life of what they've done? Faith says, God works all things together for good. Faith enables me to forgive. Enables me to forgive people when they've hurt me. Withholding forgiveness imprisons you. Matthew 18, that's the parable of the unmerciful servant. Thrown to prison, that's what, that's what unforgiveness does to us. Faith enables us to forgive and to rise above the things that have offended us and upset us. Holding up the shield of faith is simply saying, I'll do that, Lord. When someone hurts me and someone does something to me that I feel angry about, that I want to withhold forgiveness from them, holding up the shield of faith just says, Lord, I'm going to do what you said. I'll do that. I can forgive them. I don't have to feel forgiveness, it's not a feeling. I don't have to think forgiveness. I just have to agree with your word, what you told me to do, and I'm saying I'm going to do it. I'm proclaiming it over myself by my words. I'm speaking it because faith comes when we speak, and then I'm going to act on it. That means I'm going to work positively for peace in whatever situation I can. That's not always possible when someone hurts us, but if it is possible, then we do that. So my little shield of faith, because you don't necessarily need to have a big one. It will grow, but however small it is, it's enough to get started. Guard your heart. Take up the shield of faith against all the fiery darts of the enemy, despondency, despair, lack of, of secure identity, worry, doubt, illness. Hold up the shield of faith. Don't just sit here and think, well, I have faith in Jesus. I'm talking about a living faith that I 
bring to bear upon the situations that come into my life. Heavenly Father, um, thank you that we have this illustration that, that helps us to understand what's going on in the world and why sometimes we don't um, always make as much progress as we'd like to in the Christian faith because we haven't yet learned to live by faith. But Lord, we want to. And this church wants to. And our community here wants to learn how to take hold of the shield of faith and to hold it up in the middle of the situations that we're encountering so that none of the fiery darts of the enemy will consume our faith. Father, I pray that for some of us here, one of those things we've just shared uh, may just be really convicting us right now that we need to act with faith in one or more of those situations. And I pray that you'll give us the grace to do it today. To pray, to speak it over us today. And then to think, how do I act in the light of this truth? Father, I pray you give us grace to take up the shield of faith. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.